People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. Well, after a brief hiatus with the FA Cup and then the international break, we are back. Welcome along to Pinnacle Betting's Premier League Insights podcast for game week 30, can you believe, of the English Premier League with me, James Gregg, and Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. God, I can't wait, Jake, for Premier League action to get back underway. This international break's not been too bad, actually. We've had a bit of Africa Cup of Nations excitement and stuff. That's what I've been focusing on. That's been really interesting. Don't ever bet on the Africa Cup of Nations, I'm going to say. (laughs) You never know what it's going to throw at you. Um, But as we record this, there's not loads of injury news, actually, from the international break to report back on. Uh, But as we go through the podcast, which was streamlining this time around for just five matches over the course of the weekend's games, with a little nudge towards any notable pieces from the others on the betting front towards the end of this podcast. It's been a couple of weeks um, or more, actually, really, since you did the Premier League Insights, Jake. But can you remember that far back? Did you have any winners from your perspective what were the info goal uh, team looking at that time yeah it was um it's been a strange couple of weeks because not only did we have the international break but we, prior to that we had the fa cup break as well um so there was very limited premier league action but we did have quite a few uh, winners fulham leeds was the friday night game we were on leeds to win that game at uh, quite a decent price the same on Saturday night as well, Brighton against Newcastle. Many people probably balked at the idea of Brighton being so short around 8-13 to 13 to win that game. But we, we, we priced them close to 8-15, to 15, meaning that that was a, a really strong value winner. Um, hopefully the same again with a full fixture list. And yeah, can't wait to get started really. The, the international break, while it does give us a, a bit of rest and recuperation from our side anyway, it is very boring from a football standpoint. It is, you're right. Yeah, um, look, we're also going to be using a little bit of the info goal mechanic uh, that Jake, I'm sure, will be pointing towards actually throughout the podcast and um, just having a look across the betting markets across the board. But we're going to go through each each day of this upcoming Premier League weekend. We've got Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Picked a couple of games from the Saturday, the Sunday and then one from the Monday and then any other kind of business we'll uh, pick up at the end. So without any further ado... Jake, Saturday, we've two games we picked out. The first one being the half past five kickoff, Leicester City against Manchester City. The question is, actually, there's two good games on that Saturday. The Arsenal-Liverpool one is as well, but we'll come on to that in just a moment. We'll focus on the City versus City one, Leicester against Manchester. Um, Will Leicester be able to hold their nerve this time around? Or do you expect the top four race to once once again come down to kind of the last game of the season. I find it absolutely astonishing, by the way, that on your mechanic, the info goal mechanic, um, the Foxes were expected to finish seventh this season. So they're they're now forecast to finish in third spot safely. Is that the way you see it going? And, um, you know, are they overachievers? Uh, they are at the moment, yeah. They've been a little bit fortunate with the, the amount of goals that they've scored and um, the amount of goals they've conceded. They've conceded a few than would be expected, but overall, um, I think it is hard to really, um, you know, dig Brendan and Rodgers and Leicester out because they, they, while they have had a few lulls in the season, um, overall, they've been fairly consistent um, in terms of the creating uh, chances. They, they've adapted extremely well, I think, in the last couple of weeks. Um, Harvey Barnes and James Madison both dropped out injured. Um, and Brendan Rodgers has changed system slightly. He's played a back five in a couple of games. Um, Kelechi and Acho has come to the fore. And, and what we're starting to see is, is a, a Leicester side that's evolving 
just took over from uh, from what was a very dull club well so yeah it's, it's exciting times for Leicester they've got a nice gap of seven points back to West Ham uh, and we, we're giving them a, a very strong chance of, of actually cementing a top four finish this season uh, tough game for them though this, this one isn't it against Manchester City who will mm. 14 points clear um, I think Leicester beat them at the Etihad 5-2 earlier in the season and that left Manchester City in 16th spot at that point um, how the tides have turned and they look pretty pretty possible to be at the moment. Uh, I think the only thing Leicester have got going for them in this game is the fact that City might have one eye on the first leg against Dortmund in the Champions League, which comes up on, uh, I think it's Tuesday. So there is a potential for Manchester City to be, well, for their focus to be elsewhere, given the lead that they have in the in the Premier League currently. And, and the fact that they're chasing what would be an unprecedented quadruple um, with the FA Cup semi-final approaching as well. So, um, it is, it's a fascinating game from a betting perspective. I think, you know, we've got favourites and they are. Um, but I, I think that Leicester, they've shown me enough in recent weeks from an attacking standpoint to suggest that they can get on the score sheet here against Manchester City. And that's where we're finding uh, our value in this game really is, is by backing both teams to score. Um, yeah, City, they've, they've been really, really, well, ridiculous almost from a, an underlying number standpoint from a de- defensively, uh, allowing just under um, 0.8 expected goals against per game. But having said that, they have come unstuck in recent games against um, teams that are capable of playing on the counter-attack. You look Manchester United, um, Southampton, Wolves as well, um, all managed to, to get on the score sheet against Manchester City. And I think Leicester have the tools to be able to, to do so again. So yeah, we're looking at both teams to score. The market's around 52% chance of, of both teams hitting the net. Uh, Infocol's given a 59% chance. So that, that would be the best bet in this one is, is backing both teams to score. Interesting, because what caught my eye was that City, as you say, is just so imperious, right? City to win to nil at um, Pinnacle is two, two and a half and Leicester to win to nil is at tens. Astonishing. Is that good value? We know how streaky Leicester can be. And like, like you just said, I mean, you know, the city might have one eye on the champions league. They've obviously going for that quadruple. They've got a bit of strength in depth, but rustiness does come into it a little bit. So I just wonder if that Leicester to nil win is actually, you know, good value, but you can't see City not scoring, Jake. I know I'm contradicting myself slightly, but you can't see him not scoring. <laughs> but I mean, that looks remarkable value. Yeah, I think if I, if I was to get Leicester on side, it would just be backing them to win um, at around six on Pinnacle, which I think um, is value. The, the Infocom model at the moment has Manchester City priced as um, about about 10 to 11. Um, so the, the eight to 15 that's on offer is extremely short and too short in, uh, in our minds anyway. Um, we're giving Leicester a much better chance of getting something from the game than the bookmakers are. Um, so if you were wanting a bet in the 1x2 market in the win, draw, loss market, then Leicester are the value bet. A um, bit more security, Leicester or the draw probably is also odds against, which I think is a very sensible play too. But um, as I said, for me, the best, best bet in this one is, is backing both teams to score. Manchester City, as we said, will probably make a few changes. Um, they've had quite a few pretty much all of their squads been away on international duty um, they might want rest and rotate ahead of that Champions League game um, and Leicester well they, uh, I don't know you've been watching the African Cup of Nations has Ian Acho been playing for, for Nigeria we know Jamie Vardy hasn't been playing for England mm, yeah exactly um, when are we handing City the title Jake 14 points clear <laughs> 
I think we've already given it them to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all but but sorted. I mean, fourteen points is is the lead. Obviously, United, Man United have got a game in hand, but um, but yeah, Manchester City they've only got eight games left to see it out. Probably only need to win three of them. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, to, to sort of have the title wrapped up. Um, yeah, it, it's at that this time of the season where um, you know Manchester City's focus does tend to switch to other competitions. Um, I think that we spoke about this on the Champions League pod that um, in recent seasons, because the, champ- the Premier League's been so close from a title race perspective, it's really hampered Manchester City and other competitions, in particular the Champions League. But given the sort of procession that we're expecting for the remainder of the season in, in, in the Premier League, that it could really, really help Manchester City to rest and rotate and um, uh, ultimately give their put their, their best teams out week in, week out in the Champions League. So um they're in a great position. They've they've been the best team in the league by country mile this season and and ultimately they're they're gonna walk to another Premier League title. And like you say, Jay, yes. So the Champions League podcast is available to download on this same podcast feed, wherever you usually get this podcast, it's just on there. So you have a little scroll down and you should see that ahead of the Champions League last eight. Now we'll move on to the next fixtures, which is, um, well, we'll start, we'll carry on with Saturday, actually. Arsenal, Liverpool at eight o'clock on that Saturday. So once you've got over uh, Manchester City winning with both teams to score against Leicester um, as Jake predicts we then move on to Arsenal Liverpool at the Emirates fixture of the weekend really in a parallel uh, parallel universe at least uh, it's not even the fixture of the day actually for me um, but um, look certainly years gone by it used to be an absolute cracker but both sides have had their problems this season Jake I think that's fairly obvious to say I don't think that's unkind on either side Liverpool only slight favourites though looking at the odds on pinnacle.com so what are you predicting? What are you looking at? What catches your eye? Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting game because um, Arsenal, they've slowly improved as the season's gone on under Mikel Arteta, which I think was to be expected given, you know, he'd have more time to work with the team and, and work, players get suited to his system. Um, and Liverpool, they've just, they've not been themselves, have they? From, um, you know, that, that, to put it simply, they, they've just not hit the highest that they hit over the last three years. Um, there are signs though that they are getting back to that that sort of um, level, which is, you know, probably not for Premier League teams, but for European teams is is a, a big sign of danger. Um, I think again alluded to it on the Champions League podcast, the fact that um, you know playing two centre halves in centre half positions as opposed to two central midfielders um, definitely just strengthens them. Even if they're not the best centre halves in the world, it, it, you know, it gets Henderson or Thiago or Fabinho back into that midfield role. Um, and almost gives the extra protection that they were lacking when both Henderson and Pabino are playing centre-half. So um, I think if they persist with that, whether it's Kabak um, again, who I think has been quite impressive actually since since joining, um, and Phillips potentially. Um, it is a weak spot, undoubtedly, that, that centre-half pairing, but, um, but having Fabinho in there as an anchor is, um, you know, it's massive, massive boost for them um, and just added protection. I think this is going to be quite a tight game. Uh, I know Arsenal were involved in that crazy three-all draw last time out um, at West Ham, but the the way in which Liverpool have actually played over the last six, seven matches has, has been um, very tight. There's been very few chances at either end, really. Um, I think all all the last six in all competitions have seen under 2.5 goals. None of them have seen both teams to score. So um, if Liverpool aren't scoring, the other team are, um, and vice versa. So... Um, I'm tempted by the the under two and a half at the current line. It's about even money, maybe slightly odds odds uh, against. That to me appeals greatly. I think that 
Um, as I've said, Arsenal, when it, when it comes to these bigger matches against better teams, we saw it a lot last season um, under Arteta, especially in the FA Cup run. They sit back, try and be tough to break and uh, to beat and try and counter-attack. That's the, the sort of style of playing these matches. Um, and I think that this could be very, very similar. Uh, Liverpool will try and dominate the football. I think they will dominate the football. But they too will have one eye on the Champions League in midweek, which is... Looking at their league position, it could well be their only route into Champions League football next season by winning that competition. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if Klopp did rest and rotate, maybe switch around some of his front three. Jota's played pretty much every minute for Portugal uh, in the in this international break, coming off the back of um, a serious injury as well. So he could well see um, a bit of a rest. Same could be said for Salah or Mane, who, who have obviously been playing the African Cup of Nations stuff as well. So um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see rest and rotate. If if Liverpool were um, you know at full tilt playing at the very best like like they were last season, there's no way that they'd be odds against for this game. Um, but I don't trust them enough at this point to be able to back them at that price, even though it is very tempting. Um, and I think that's partly down to to Arsenal as well. I think they've they've really impressed me over the last um, couple of months since Christmas. Anyway, the way in which they played, they've improved their their chance creation, creating more chances, better chances regularly. Um, but I do think that this is going to be more of a midfield battle. And I think that it's going to be uh, very few chances um, between the two two sides. And um, yeah, under 2.5, it's odds against. I think that's the way I'd sway in this one. But don't really have a very strong selection um, in this one. It's more of a, a tentative selection as opposed to the, the City both teams to score. Fair enough. Hey, look at this. I mean, both sides are not challenging. We obviously know that. Or certainly where they thought or would hope that they would be at this stage of the season. I see info goal expecting Liverpool to sneak into the top six. Of course, they are seventh at the moment. Um, you mentioned the league position being a concern, and I mean, they're certainly not going to get top four. I think we can say that very safely. Um, sneaking top six, is that something? So, I mean, you're expecting a bit of an upturn in form, certainly from what we've seen so far from, from Liverpool. So that's got to say something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are expecting them to finish in the top six. Um, we are actually, we think it's going to be Tottenham who drop out of that top six based on um, performances over the course of the season. West Ham have actually performed better than Spurs um, so far this season, whereas Everton, although they're level on points with Liverpool with the game in hand, they've played like a bottom half team according to expected goals. So um, we're ultimately expecting them to fall away a little bit. But Liverpool, yeah, it, it depends where their um, concentration and focus is really because... You say that they're not going to get in the top four, and, and I do agree with you. I think that Leicester, I mean, they've got 10-point uh, advantage over Liverpool at the moment, and they're playing really well. Chelsea are playing really well, and they've got a five-point cushion over, over Liverpool, so it looks a long shot. But um, if, they, if they wanted to and they put all their eggs in the Premier League basket, it wouldn't surprise me if they put a run together and finish in the top uh, in the top four. But, yeah, uh, given the, you know, the, the sort of the sort of um, connection between Liverpool and the Champions League, I, I can't see them dropping players and resting them in the Champions League to play in the Premier League. Uh, if anything, it'll be the other way around and, and that ultimately will likely leave them finishing um, yeah, in the top six. But then the, the caveat to that is, do they want to finish in fifth or sixth spot and play in Europa League football? Mm. That's just a massive hindrance. You know, you've seen Arsenal and Spurs struggling to contend in top four again this season because of the, you know, the Thursday, Sunday sort of fixture list that, that gets built up. So it wouldn't be at all surprised to see Liverpool maybe drop into into eighth and just just cle- just stay well clear of that top that, that sort of fifth and sixth spot in the Europa League. Um but yeah, the focus is going to be on the Champions League. And 
they'll not want to get beat every week because it's not good for for morale and, and you know they're all winners um momentum is, is a key word as well if you get a lot of wins under your belt then winning just breeds winning so um they'll be competitive in the Premier League but their, their main focus is going to be the Champions League Let's come on to Sunday's games then. Newcastle versus Tottenham is kicking off at the, you know, really normal time of five past two. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll have a look at, look, I mean, actually, before we sort of come on to the selections and stuff, two managers under pressure, actually, Jake. I mean, for different reasons, of course. But um, that, that, I suppose that plays a little bit of a part. And they've got they've had a few you know a couple of weeks now to kind of mull it over both of both Steve Bruce and Jose Mourinho. Look, Newcastle they lost that relegation six pointer to Brighton last time out. Are you holding out much hope for the Magpies? I mean, Steve Bruce is he going to have managed the woeful looking stats out? And we'll come on to a few stats in a second. I'm sure um, you've got some up your sleeve as well. I mean, they just love conceding for a start, um, but. I mean, can they have sorted that out? How can they have sorted that out? Well, yeah, it's been a struggle, obviously. Being quite a few players being away as well. That doesn't mean they can, can't really work on stuff in training. But um, yeah, as it, as it stands, while Fulham have been the better of the two teams over the course of the season, I still think that Fulham are, are the li- most likely team to go down. And that's because Newcastle obviously have a two-point advantage and they've got you know game in hand. So... Um, the ball is, is firmly in their court. Um, they've also got a kind of fixture schedule as well remaining. So I, I do I do give them a chance um, of staying up. I know the, the bookmakers have got, have got Newcastle as, as odds on favourites to join West Brom and Sheffield United um, in the championship. But I probably would make Fulham uh, the favourites to go down. Um, the Infocore model may give them around a 58% chance. So odds of around 7 to 10 of Fulham to be, uh, be relegated. Um and yeah, all of it for me anyway comes down to can Newcastle get Callum Wilson and Alan St. Maximum fit? That's the main main thing. We know that they concede goals, they concede chances, but the main issue they have is that they don't create enough and they don't score enough goals. Um, Callum Wilson's a massive chunk of their, their goal total. Alan St. Maximum offers them complete, something completely different to what anyone else does, which is dribbling ability, driving the ball forward, um, getting them out of sticky situations and, and just being a constant threat. Um, if they can get those two back, then I think that they've got a real chance. Um, I know that they were both back in training last week. So whether that means that they're going to be fit enough to play in this game or not remains to be seen. But um, yeah, at this moment in time, I know it's all doom and gloom up there in the north. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that Steve Bruce is doing a good job because you know club of Newcastle stature shouldn't really be looking over their shoulder every season. But um, I, I think that he he's got enough to keep them up this season but then I probably would part ways with him if, if that was the case because ever since um, he took over I mean they finished 13th in the league last season but they ranked as the worst team based on expected goals they finished rock bottom of our XG tables so this kind of relegation scrap was anticipated by the underlying numbers and, and ultimately nothing's changed which is why they currently find themselves in this predicament so um, yeah they'd be better off if Bruce wasn't there but for the time being because there's only what nine games left of the season it's such a a small amount of time for any manager to go in there and really make a massive impact. Um, I think that just, just sit with him and, and I think this should do enough to stay up, but um, yeah, it's not looking great for, for, for them. Uh, and, you know, I can understand why the fan base is just, you know, up in arms all the yeah. time because, you know, there is quality in that squad as well. You know, not I've named a couple of the players, but... <laughs> That's the thing. They're not a happy bunch. They're never a happy bunch up there. Um, look, I'm going to nail my colours to the mask here, pal, because I'm going to have a punt on both teams to score and a Newcastle win. That 
comes in around the nine to one mark. Um, scored in, in a sneaky 62% of their matches so far. So we talk about their sort of expected goals and all that. A lot of them are consolation goals or goals that actually have not really had any bearing on the game. Um, that is interesting to have a look at some of those. Have a look at that. They scored in 18 matches so far. But like I said before, they just love conceding. 48 goals have gone in this season. Their expected goals for goals conceded is 46.1. I just got a sneaky feeling they always kind of pull a result out when it matters. And that's a classic Steve Bruce thing. I think that a lot of Newcastle fans find that frustrating. He buys himself another 10 games with a really massive win. He's done it already a couple of times this year, for goodness sake. So um, on, on Sunday, that's where I'm going. So um, is there anything that really leaps out at you? Um, similar thought train. Uh, I'm not going f- as bold as you with the <clears throat> nine to one shout. Newcastle winning both teams to score, but I am getting Newcastle on side. I think that they uh, that Spurs are too short at that price, uh, around four to seven. Look too short to me. Uh, the Infocol model has them at around odds against. You're looking at around six to five is, is where Infocol's price top them up at. So um, yeah, there's huge value in getting Newcastle on side. Effectively, Newcastle or the draw. It's around two point two five. The model suggests it should be closer to, um, to I think oh, I'm trying to work it out quickly. Ten to eleven. So work. yeah, there's there's huge value there in in back in Newcastle um, or the draw. Spurs. I mean, yeah, we talked we spoke about Newcastle there, but Spurs are a really funny one because they put in two dreadful performances against Arsenal and, and Dinamo Zagreb, in which they created next to nothing um, and deserved to lose both basically. Uh, and then they went and beat Villa really, really handsomely. I thought um, last time out, a, a changing system, a four-four-two system, which was, um, you know, back to the drawing board, if you like, um, basic four-four-two. It worked a treat against Aston Villa. Be interesting to see if they do something similar here. And, and for me, the, the main, as I said before, the main um, sort of thing that I would be looking for before having a bet on this is the team news is have Newcastle got Wilson and St. Maximan or even just one of them back in the team because, um, you know, if Sir Maximum's playing down the left-hand side, I don't trust either of Spurs' right-backs to be able to contain him. Um, and Callum Wilson, you know, we've, we've seen the sort of gaps that Spurs' defenders leave, whether it's Sanchez, Alvarez, Rodon, whoever plays there, they, they do look very vulnerable. Dyer, I mean, he's somehow managed to get into the England squad despite playing terribly for, <laughs> for Tottenham for the last month. Um, so, yeah, if Wilson's playing, I think he could have a field day with, with Tottenham centre-half, and, and, and that would definitely sway me over the edge of... of getting on side with Newcastle. Lots of food for thought there. Also, just on that, I think Southgate just loves his loyalty. That's why. That's the <laughs> only thing I can see. You know, when Pickford obviously injured at the minute, but still getting a game. And, uh, you know, Lingard, I know he's been good for West Ham, but I mean, he's never in doubt. He was always getting picked. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, just on Remember that. Remember when he scored that goal against Panama? That's what Southgate says to his mates before he picks the team. <laughs> yeah, he scored that goal, didn't he? Really good goal, yeah. You must remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, on that, on that note, we'll move on to um, the half past seven kickoff on Sunday, which sees Manchester United host Brighton. Brighton won their six pointer against Newcastle. We've just referred to that one. Is this a game a free hit really for Graham Potter's side? Solid expected goals. They've not been as clinical as that would suggest though. Yeah, that's been the, the main issue. I mean, the sort of numbers that Brighton are putting up, it, it, every time I speak about it on a podcast, it gets laughed at because no one can quite believe that a team that are effectively in a relegation battle should be in the top six of the Premier League. Um, 
But that's that's basically where we're at. I mean, Brighton, they, they basically, they've shown over the last couple of games, I mean, the Newcastle game in particular, they were just so dominant. I mean, Newcastle managed just two shots in that game. Brighton really did run them ragged. And even, even in matches where they drew or lost most recently, I'm thinking about Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, West Brom, um, they created an abundance of chances and just didn't put them away. And that's the only reason that they're in the predicament that they're in at the moment. And ultimately, it's the reason why we don't think they're going to go down because they're, you know, they're creating too many chances on a regular basis to, um, you know, ultimately a couple of those will go in um, and they will pick up deserved wins, which is what they've done the last couple of matches. And make no mistakes about it, this is going to be a really tricky game for Manchester United. Um, you, know, you said there, is it a free hit? It absolutely is for Brighton. And, and they're more than capable of going, going to Old Trafford and getting a result. Um, in fact, most of their better performances this season have come against better teams. Um, if you think about the reverse game, was just that bizarre sequence of events where, um, you know, the, the full-time whistle went, they went back and looked at VAR, then awarded a penalty after the whistle had already gone. Man United ended up winning 3-2, but um, on that day, Brighton created the better of the chances and, and, and deserved at least a point. Um, but yeah, and Manchester United, they've, they've sort of, they found that consistency again. They, they had a little wobble, you know, they lost to, to your team, Sheffield United, and I think there's another defeat there as well. Uh, but they found consistency since. Um, up until the the defeat to Leicester, where uh, for whatever reason Solskjaer just completely mixed his team up again and left some of his best players on the bench despite an international breakup coming. So, yeah, that that was interesting. They were outplayed in that game, um, and I think there's every chance that Brighton could really outplay them again. I think that, that one thing I would say is do not underestimate them. I know they're away from home at Old Trafford, but uh, they're, they're the team that I want to get on side in this one. Um, the four to one about them winning the game really interests me. Um, you, you're going to get a decent price on the double chances as well, probably just a slight, maybe even money, maybe slightly odds on. Um, and yeah, I, I think that Brighton could really cause some problems. Manchester United, they've improved defensively, but still conceding quite a few shots per game, which is uh, a bit of an issue. There's the the sort of ongoing discussion as who who should go in the net Henderson or De Gea. That's going to be you know rear its head again uh, in this game. De Gea will be back in the fold after I think he was away with um, his birth of his child, so he was missing quite a few games, which almost just made it an easy conversation. Oh, De Gea's not here. Henderson can go in. But now you're going to have that uncertainty around you know the back four. Who's going to be starting behind us? Um, yeah, I think th- I'm wanting to oppose Manchester United in this one. I think that the the, the way in which they're sort of playing, they're not scoring many goals, they're not creating as many chances as they were at the start of the season. Just read off a couple of the results. 1-0 against Milan, 1-0 against West Ham, 1-1 against uh, Milan in, in the first leg, 0-0 uh, against Crystal Palace. So they're not really creating too many chances regularly. Mm. Um, and I think Brighton can punish them because believe it or not, only Manchester City and Chelsea have got a better defensive record based on expected goals and Brighton this season. So um, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely, <laughs> that, that is yeah. obscene. Absolutely obscene. If that's the first time that you've heard that and you're listening to this podcast, that you'll probably have your jaw on the ground. That is outstanding. So let's talk about expected goals in terms of Manchester United because you just mentioned that, right? So Solskjaer in his press conferences, and it obviously keeps getting asked about it. Um, you know, well, you're not scoring many goals, Ali. And he goes, well, we'll be all right. I'll keep firing, keep firing. Um, Bruno Fernandes, his XG is 13.97. We've got the next best is Rashford at 7.82. I mean, what, what, what do you see the goals coming from, from Manchester United? It's obviously going to be Bruno Fernandes, but they're, I mean, what, does, what do those stats say to you, Jake? 
Yeah, the uh, I see them as very worrying personally. Um, to not have an out-and-out striker who's sort of getting in positions regularly. We know Cavani's sort of done it um, a little bit when he's played, but Bruno Fernandes leading that with what you said about 13 expected goals. I would imagine off the top of my head, probably six of those expected goals have come from penalties, mm-hmm. um, which is not something that you're going to win every week. You know, you can't hang your hat on winning a penalty every week, which means even Manchester United. Chances. Yeah, well, Manchester United have got a better chance than many. Um, yeah. But but yeah, even... even um, that tells me that the Bruno Fernandes really isn't getting on the end of um, high quality chances regularly. Rashford the same really. Um, and you, you look around the league, you've got Manchester City, they don't really play with a striker um, or they haven't this season. They've still got quite a few players above 10 expected goals. Um, Liverpool, all three of all of their front three will be near or near, there or thereabouts in the, that, that sort of range. Tottenham, Harry Kane's guaranteed. He, every season he'll hit 15, 16 expected goals as a minimum. Um, I think that's that's the sort of next step for Manchester United is getting a number nine that can get on the end of chances regularly. Um, you know, let's talk about Erling Haaland. I think he'd be ideal. He'd be a great fit for for Manchester United. Um, personally, I just while while he's at the club, I will be playing Edinson Cavani every week. I think his his movement sensational. His whole play is better than Martial's, um, and I think he's he's a slightly better finisher too. He, he does mm, seem to get in the end, on the end of better chances uh, on a regular basis, and I, and I think that. Yeah, well, let's talk about him leaving at the end of the season, not wanting to sign another deal. I think while he's at the club, I think he, he has to play. And they, there's a chance he will play this week because Martial obviously picked up that injury um, against uh, playing for France in, in midweek. So um, that's that'd be massive for Manchester United. They, they do that. That's that's just the main area they're struggling. I think defensively they've come together quite nicely. I like the back four. Um, you could probably improve Lindelof slightly, in my opinion. But yeah. um, other than that, the, the you know the, the, the team there of McTominay, Pogba, Fernandez as a midfield three, for example, is um, is up there in my opinion. Um, and Pogba's back fit as well, which is another huge boost for for United down the home stretch. So yeah. It, they're heading in the right direction. They'll finish second in the league this season, but it'll be a distant second. Yeah, of course it will. I mean, <laughs> the best of the rest, I think. <laughs> I'm not sure if there's a if they're going to put that on their honours board at Old Trafford or not. I think if they want to keep it going, they might be might be doing that. Um, let's have a quick look at Monday's game before we have a look at some of Info Goals picks over the weekend. Um, Monday's uh, sees Wolves host West Ham. West Ham have come from three goals down against Spurs this season and they've lost a three-goal lead against Arsenal <laughs> uh, just a couple of weeks back. How does Info Goal see this one going, Jake? Because it's an interesting one, actually. It's not a box office tie in terms of... Um, I don't think now TV and Sky are going to be inundated <laughs> with requests for this game. How's that? That works better, doesn't it, in the current climate? Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's not a cracker. How have you got it? Yeah, basically the same as what you've said there. Not not a cracker. Um, under two and a half is unsurprisingly the the leader in that market. Um, but you know what we've seen from Wolves recently has been more of Wolves from yesteryear, which is being very very difficult to beat, conceding few goals. And you know I thought they played quite well against Liverpool uh, without really creating any good chances. And that one goal from. Um, Diogo Jota that arguably should have been saved was, was the only difference um, yeah I'm finding Wolves are quite a tricky team to read this season they, they went through a spell where they were creating quite a few good chances they played in a much more attacking manner switched to a 4-3-3 then when that started going wrong they reverted back to a, a back to type and a back five and being tough to beat um, yeah and you know 
they're now missing two of their key players, um, Raul Jimenez, obviously with with his head injury, and Rui Patricio as well, missing with that, with a head injury too. So um, at either end of the pitch, they're they're now weaker in my book. Um, and you know, for that reason, West Ham do look an interesting bet at around six to four, with the you know the fact that they they have been the the fifth best team in the Premier League based on expected goals this season. So while you know while you might look at the them in that position and think, well, that, you know, that's not going to last. That's a false position. That couldn't be further from the truth. They've been really impressive um, under David Moyes. The, the sort of job he's done there, I don't think he gets enough credit. They, no, not bad to watch people, either. Exactly, yeah. And people forget that they were in the relegation zone when he, picked, when he took them over at the back end of last season. And, and now they're, they're knocking on the door for European football, um, and deservedly so. The, the process is fantastic. They're creating a lot of good chances. Like you said, they're very entertaining to watch. Um, and, you know, they've got a great balance in the team now, I think. They've got a nice pivot of Suchek and Rice. They've got some expansive attacking players in front of that. Fornals, Lingard, Ben Rama, um, Jared Bowen's the other one, and obviously Mikel Antonio leading the leading line, who um, is an absolute handful. Um, so, yeah, I think they're, they're well-placed to get a result here, and, and that's the way I would, would be going in this one. I think that Wolves are slightly weaker. Um, like I said, missing two key players. They've obviously got some great talent themselves with, um, you know, Pedro Neto, Adama Traore, who are handfuls themselves. But um, yeah, West Ham to win. I will be tempted by uh, West Ham to win and both teams to score as well. I think that the Wolves can get on the score sheet and I'm not quite sure what price that is at the moment, but West Ham to win both teams to score, probably uh, the outside betting that. Nice. I do like that a lot. Um, let's have a look at some of the other fixtures then, remaining fixtures. So, We've got West Brom travelling to Stamford Bridge, take on Chelsea, a Yorkshire derby, Leeds against Sheffield United. I think we know who the favourites are for that one. Southampton have got Burnley at home. Fulham travel to Villa Park to take on Dean Smith's side, who've, you know, been okay. We'll come on to them maybe. And also um, Crystal Palace against Everton at Goodison Park. So that's they're, they're the remainder of the fixtures. Anything that catches your eye from some of those, Jake? Um, tell me where to start, and um, we'll, we'll go. We'll go through maybe just a couple, um, couple that catch your eye from some of the markets flying about. Um, yeah, go on. You start. You start us off. Yeah, I think the, the Chelsea West Brom one's quite interesting. Um, I just think the, the the goal line is is quite high for this. Um, I'm looking at under two and a half. You're looking at around six to five, which. Um, I think is is too big a price. I would make that a little bit shorter, maybe even money, because you know while West Brom are, you know, likely to get relegated and and they've not really played very well recently. Chelsea are far from clicking on attack. They they very rarely score a lot of goals. So uh, under two and a half would tempt me there. Or alternatively, maybe looking at Chelsea win to nil if that's a decent enough price, or Chelsea to win under three and a half goals, something like that. If you can get odds against for. For the latter, I'd, I'd be all over that. I think that could be really a really sensible bet. Just, yeah, Chelsea, they're not conceding goals um, and they're not really creating and scoring at, the, at a rate that we would expect of a Manchester City, for example. Ollie Watkins is around two to one to score. I mean, he's got his first England goal. Um, he's coming off a really successful international break, something that, you know, a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have even dreamt about, Jake. So you're looking at that. I mean, is that is that a good price? What are the stats saying on him? Who who knows? I mean, is that is that something that's worth a flutter? 
I think so. Yeah, I think that uh, especially if Jack Grealish is back, which the rumours are that he is. Um, I know there's, there's been a, a new rumour pretty much every week that he's going to be back, and he hasn't been back. But hopefully for his case, um, you know, in England's head to the Euros, he's back fit. Um, yeah, if, if he's back in the team, then he's their main creative force. Is Grealish and. The, the chances are that he will create a couple of good chances for Watkins against um, this Fulham team that, you know, they're on a decent run. Um, they got brought down to earth really with a, a couple of poor results and um, Leeds and Manchester City both created a couple, you know, decent chances against them. Um, a team that had looked relatively solid for the most part of the season. But yeah, I think with Villa, if Grealish is back fit, then um, I would be all over that Watkins price that you said there. He's averaging around 0.44 expected goals per 95 minutes, which is um, you know considerably high, really. Uh, it puts him just just around the the sort of Harry Kane mark. I think Harry Kane's slightly more, but um, not far away. So he's getting in, in, in scoring positions regularly, which is is what we look for, obviously. And um, yeah, uh, like I said, if Grealish is there, then I would. I would imagine that that price could shorten quite a bit for Watkins to score if Grealish is announced in the team lineup because the chances of Villa scoring increase quite quite drastically when he's in the team. Interesting. And for him to score himself, I think he's about 13 to 5. I've just seen on a couple of the markets. So not bad itself. It'd be nice. You can imagine him grinning away, celebrating in front of an empty uh, empty whole tape, <laughs> can't you? With, uh, yeah, delight. Absolute delight. Um, any other business, Jake, before we wrap up here on the Premier League Insights podcast? Um, I think the, the Monday game, yeah, Everton and Crystal Palace is, is interesting. We, I touched on Everton before, the fact that they perform like a, a bottom half team for um, over the course of the season, struggling to create chances, struggling to keep them out. Um, and they've just been very fortunate, really, to have collected as many points as they have. Um, you know, they're playing against Crystal Palace, who <laughs> they're not exactly the, the most brilliant team in the Premier League, but they are functional. Um, only lost one of the last five games in the Premier League. That was at Tottenham. Um, they've been really tough to beat in that time as well. They've kept three clean sheets. So uh, the price of Crystal Palace or the draw, uh, which is about even money, really, really interests me. Um, Everton, not only have they been really poor just in general this season, they've been really poor, especially at home as well. Um, you think back a couple of the really poor home performances against Burnley the most recently, they, they lost that one. Um, and I think Fulham went there quite recently as well and did a number on them. So wouldn't be at all surprised to see Crystal Palace get a result. Jake, as ever, an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. I hope that you've managed to take something from this if you've got to the end of the podcast and you've just gleaned a little bit of information, who knows, over some of the fixtures. We're going to try and streamline, I think, some of these podcasts, pick four or five games out, any of the business at the end. That's the usual way that we're going to do it. Stick to it. We'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll see how we get on in the markets <laughs> and we'll report back. We might have to think of a different format completely. Um, just remember, you can find out more about InfoGoal's model at www.infogoal.net. Um, and also pinnacle.com and at pinnacle on Twitter are the places for more from us. There's loads of great articles as well. Remember the masters golf, um, is underway as well. Or if you're listening to this, it's probably just about to start. So if you're into your golf better, remember you can head to that as well. There is a podcast on that. There's a champions league podcast. There's plenty of articles with all sorts of stats, all sorts of tips. And, um, remember to gamble responsibly and also thanks so much for listening.